Welcome to the Amelia Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help all of us level up our leadership. I'm your host, Greta Nance, and I'm joined as always by CEO of Amelia Aesthetics, Dr. Jeremy Pyle, and COO of Amelia Aesthetics, Robbie Poe. And I'm really excited, like always, to talk about the topic that we've got today, because as you guys know, one thing I hate very much is being bored. (laughs) And this tool and technique and thing that we've developed really helps all of us never to be bored anymore. We're really going to talk about inspiration today and how we find inspiration um, to keep developing things in our practice. I don't know if you guys remember, but you probably do. Um, Around three years ago, things were going well. Um, We were hearing good feedback from our patients. Hey, you guys are really doing a great job. I've gone to other consultations and you guys have done it best. Our reps would come in and say, hey, other offices are kind of watching what you're doing. You're doing a great job. But all internally we were doing was looking across the street, looking in magazines. That's how I personally was getting inspiration. Let me see what the plastic surgeon's office across the street is doing. Let me see what their ad. Oh, that looks good. Um, I can tweak that a little bit and make it better, make it my own. And that helped us to get to where we were. Um, But I think, and Robbie, you mentioned this too, it was a very dangerous place to be getting all these accolades, you're doing a great job, but really all it felt internally like we were tweaking things. It's a low ceiling. Yeah, we were not innovating anything. We were at the top. And so we developed, uh, we started looking outside of our business for inspiration. And so I think we've all got a lot of things to share about, you know, stories and examples of how now we seek this out so purposefully. Um, And I'm really excited to talk about how we find inspiration and don't get bored anymore in our practice. I don't imagine you bored. I have a hard time imagining bored, Greta. Well, when we were just tweaking the systems that we'd put in place and not developing any new systems, right. it did get boring. In other words, if we're looking across the street at the other plastic surgeons, the best we could do is slightly better or mm-hmm. as good as. Yeah. We would just improve this. The let's say the software we were using, we would figure out a way to use it a little better, but we certainly weren't going, we should use different this software. software. Let's, <laughs> let's make our own software. Let's yeah. do something exciting exciting and better because no one else in our industry was doing that. I bet we, we all were have, watching them. I bet we all have stories like that. Mm-hmm. Like the, the one that comes to my mind is um, a restaurant story. And I'm going to sound like a pretentious jerk and I don't mean to, cause it's a restaurant in France. And for some reason, bringing up France in my mind harbors protection, even though I love France and I love Paris. Okay. So what happened was uh, Megan and I went on a 10 year anniversary trip on our 11th year of marriage. Cause we had a kid in our 10th year and you shouldn't do that if you're going to go on a trip. Um, and so we went on a 10 day trip to Paris and then um, an Island called Corsica. And on the way back our last day, I had arranged for a restaurant um, reservation at this place called, it's actually called Guy Savoie, but I have a hard time saying Guy Savoie. <laughs> Um, so I called it Guy Savoy for a number of years, not realizing <laughs> that I was totally wrong. And then a French dude was like, don't, is, that sounds weird. So anyway, so Guy Savoy is this um, three Michelin starred chef in Paris. Um, he's very well known in the world. I like nice experiences and cool food. So I thought, like we would have an opportunity to experience something in Paris that we would not otherwise experience. I'd never been to that level of dining before. And so um, Megan and I are in Paris and we're walking to the restaurant. Um, that day of our reservation and I am nervous because although I want to experience it I also know like I'm out of my freaking league like this is not a thing that I do fine dining um, is not like it just it's not who, I, who I've historically been 
And so, like, we're walking to this restaurant. I've got a suit on and a tie, and Megan's wearing a dress, and she's walking across these cobbled brick streets with her heels on, and it's going fine. (laughs) (laughs) But so the restaurant is in the French Treasury, and so we walk uh, up to the street where Google Maps says we need to be, and it says you are, like, approaching, and I'm like, I don't. I don't think we're there's no like Guy Savoie restaurant diner flashing <laughs> sign here so so like I don't think we're in the right place and so we're like walking by and my anxiety's peaking a little bit because I'm like man I wanted to make this special for Megan this was the thing it was going to be great and like we get a little bit closer to the building and we're walking down the street and again I'm like there's no sign. I don't know what I'm going to do and we get like 10 feet from this place and a door op- I didn't even know there was a door the door opens up and these two people come out in like traditional uh, waitstaff garb you know like white shirt, black tie. And they said, um, uh, Mademoiselle, Monsieur Pyle, yes? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, right this way, please. And I was like, well, this is cool. <laughs> so then we walk into the French treasury, and it's like this extraordinarily ornate building. We They walk us to the stairs, and they say, go up these stairs and around, and you'll see where to go from there. And they're speaking good English, which was nice for me. Um, and so we walk up these red carpeted stairs. There's just beautiful and ornate and we get to the top and we turn a corner and there's this 25 foot hallway and at the end of this hallway there's these giant doors with these huge uh, door handles on them and and we're walking towards it and I'm like what have we gotten ourselves into and we get like eight feet away and the doors open and the chef is there uh, with his team uh, of like four or five people and they say Monsieur Mademoiselle Pyle right and I said yeah I said, thank you. We're so glad you're here. We hope you have a wonderful time. If we can make it better in any way, please let us know. But otherwise, this gentleman's going to escort you back to the table. And the restaurant is set up as a series of different small rooms with five or six tables in each. And so we walk back with this one maitre d' to the room that we're in. And the minute we cross the threshold into the room, two waitstaff members flank us. And we walk to our table. And one pulls the chair out. And as we're sitting down, the other one is opening up our napkins and opening up our menu. And I'm like, what? What have we gotten ourselves into? Like, this is this is not who I am. I'm uncomfortable. This is too much. I don't want somebody to open up my napkin. Like, I thank you. I can do it. Um, and so we sit down, and you. It must have been visible the anxiety on my face because then I look at the menu, and there's two sides of the menu. One is a price fix menu, and the other is an a la carte menu. And the price fix menu is 14 things, all in French, and I don't know any of them. Mm. And the a la carte menu is. 20 things all in French and I don't know any of them and so I sit down Megan sits down and we're sitting there obviously uncomfortable and then our waiter comes up to us and he hands us a glass of champagne and he said here um, we'd love for you to try some champagne while you look over the menu if there's anything that you need from me please let me know Mm -hmm. do you know if you'd prefer the price fix or the other menu and I'm like uh I don't know I don't know. And he's like, do you want me to send the sommelier over to help you with wine? And I'm like, I I, I don't know. I don't know. And so he disappears for like a minute. And he's like, he comes back a minute later. And he's like, can I make a suggestion? He said, we could do this side or we could do that side. Or you can close the menu and you can tell me what you want, what you like to eat. And I'll make a menu for you guys so you have a special night without the stress of figuring out how to work through our menu. And I'm sure he could see like the tension just melt off of me because I'm like, oh, 
Can I say F? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not clear. Not gonna. Uh, F. Like, thank you, man. This is going to be so much better if you do that. And he said, I'll have the um, sommelier match the wines to the meal. They won't be absurd. They'll be nicely paired, and you'll have a wonderful evening. And so that's what happened. And it is a meal that I will remember on my deathbed, looking across at the table at my wife, seeing like her enjoy something. There was something that was so good. Like she just at some point teared up, not because the food was so good, but because the experience was like, what a neat thing to be able to live through as a person and experience. And she just felt so grateful. And none of that happens unless the waiter takes a step back yeah. and goes, these people are uncomfortable. It was one of the most important experiences in my life because that happens here. Like I'm uncomfortable at a table. Think about what it's like to walk into a plastic surgeon's office knowing you're gonna stand naked in front of somebody in a minute and a half and show them the thing you're most uncomfortable with. Yeah, That's my story. And I think we've heard that a number of times well, over the last couple of years. <laughs> um, keeps getting slightly grander every time. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. But there are so many things we have been able to take from that story, mm-hmm. even just the cost comparison. Like, I can't remember. I know that meal was very, very expensive. And the expectation. It wasn't as expensive as you would think. Well, it. It certainly wasn't expense, as expensive as our patients pay every oh, day for truth. surgery. Yeah. So how much how much was a plate there? Like, you know, how much was each side we, of the table you were sitting on? So we had like 15 courses that the guy brought out, yeah. and it ended up being like 200 and something dollars a person, which is a lot of money for a meal. No question about mm-hmm. it. But like I'm looking at the menu first, and I'm thinking like we're going to spend like $2,000 on this thing right. to get stuff that I don't even understand. So with, with a generous tip, I mean, you guys paid 500 bucks. Yeah ish for this meal, right? right and so when you sit down at the table of a three-star rated Michelin chef, you pay around 500 bucks to sit at that table. Yeah, probably. And yet, when patients come and sit down at our table, a simple breast augmentation is thousands and thousands of dollars, right? And so if that's the experience that, th- this is where this story really struck me. If that's the experience that you and Dr. Pyle got to have at a three-star Michelin-rated restaurant, and you paid that much money for it. If our patients are paying the money they're paying to sit down at our table, how much more so should they have a memorable experience? I remember you like, saying that. Talk about like, like a freaking punch in the mind. Like it, it really, really affected me, honestly, in a negative way for a long time, till I kind of got to think through this thing and say, okay. I think we can do this. I really think that we have a team that can pull this off, not just mirroring what happened, but mirroring the experience from the emotional standpoint yeah. of, wow, I, I'm going to remember this in a positive light for the entire rest of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had a similar experience. You want to tell? Uh, you want me I love tell Robbie's my food comparison story. <laughs> so I, I also have. If you a food thought I was story. pretentious a minute ago, just um, wait. So my food story is not at. Um, uh, can you say it for me? Gisuwa. Restaurant. Um, mine was at Taco Bell um, because that's what I eat. So not really. So okay, here, here's the here's the setup a little bit. And this 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 experience it, it's changed my life. Um, okay, so my wife and I, uh, Jenny, we had moved from Nashville to Raleigh to come serve on this team, and we were in our last trip to Nashville to finish up some paperwork signing from selling our house and things like that. 
we rolled into Nashville super late. It's like midnight when we get into town. We're so hungry. We just like, there's no food to the house, obviously. Like we're, I think we crashed in an apartment. I don't even remember. Like, but I, uh, babe, we got to eat. And so we just went to what was open and what was close. And unfortunately it was Taco Bell. Now, like I, I'm not the, you know, y'all know me. I'm not the kind of guy who goes to Taco Bell very often. Right. And so, um, it was fine. We were going to get through it. Like we braced ourselves as we pulled into the Taco Bell drive through up to the speaker. Right now, this is where the story takes a little bit of a turn that I didn't expect over the, that, that like squawky speaker came the most pleasant voice. It's midnight. If I didn't say that, thank you so much for coming to Taco Bell tonight. I'm honored to get to take your order. Is there any questions I can answer about the menu for you? I just like anybody, remember, like anybody drives up to Taco Bell, like I wonder what they have. Like I remember looking out the window, like, am I? Yeah, we are. We're at Taco Bell, right. and I just looked at Jenny. I'm like, um, no, 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 no questions here. And and, and so the, the the lady is wonderful. She and she says, well, before you place your order, may I tell you about our brand new cheesy gordita crunch? Yeah, I, I would love I would love to hear about the cheesy gordita crunch from you. She tells me about the cheesy gordita crunch. We order four. Like this is a great experience so far. So we start we we pull forward and 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 we start to drive around the corner, and we see her for the first time because she's leaning out the window, motioning for us as if we've never been through a drive through before. Like it's come this way, and then we pull up to the window, all smiles on her face. Like she is so charming and then we hadn't ordered drinks and so she said i've prepared water for you while you wait it's going to be about 90 seconds would you prefer ice or no ice well i i took no ice jenny took ice i'm not the kind of guy that typically seeks out taco bell tap water but i was having a great time sitting there in the drive-thru drinking my taco bell tap water right so she leans out the window 60 seconds later she um, crushed the expectation that she had set hands us our food, and she asks, is there anything else that I can do to ensure that you had a memorable experience here tonight? I was completely blown away. It was amazing. Like, I was like, uh, no, thank you. Great job. Like, and we drive off. I didn't sleep that night, though. We ate our cheesy gordita crunches. And is that that why? I'm not sure. (laughs) It could have been, but I suspect (laughs) that it was more this. I just remember laying there that night thinking... When our patients walk in the doors to our practice, are they thought of and spoken to as fondly as I just was in the Taco Bell drive-thru? Are our patients' experiences so well planned out and thought through? Like the Taco Bell drive-thru lady was three steps ahead of us the entire time. Do our patients have that experience? Like Mm. do our patients walk away – from the experience that they have with our team and our practice and think, I have never been that cared for in a medical practice in my entire life. Mm-hmm. That's certainly the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just a little bit better, and which I think is where we were at, mm-hmm. but completely blown away and not even understanding that you were at Taco Bell or at a medical practice. You know, I think that that is the point these stories really help to shine a light on that, you know, we made a conscious decision a couple of years ago to stop looking at other medical practices or plastic surgeons offices because we had gotten all we needed to from slightly tweaking improvements and we had nowhere else to go. And if we didn't start looking at other businesses 
and finding these shining examples of like, hey, we can do something like that um, at a restaurant or just any, you know, this, it happened to me this morning. I'm, we're going down in the comparison stories from a three-star Michelin to Taco Bell. No, no, I use Yoshi now. So thanks oh, yeah, right. thanks True. to you guys, gas Love delivery Yoshi. service. It, the mint thing of this morning, yeah. you know, yeah. we often offered mints at our med spa. You know, a lot of times patients, you're really close to your provider and people are like, oh my God, I don't have gum, but I'd like a mint. And I don't know how, somehow we got to ordering these kind of cheesy looking mints with this big white packaging with our logo branded right on them. <laughs> and, a, and a couple of months ago, I saw them and I'm like, what? Why are we, these don't feel right. This feels they were so tacky. They were. And, and so I'm like, stop ordering them, throw them all away. Because we'd seen how, I can't remember what modern business we were at recently, but it was church, not. It was a church on Morgan. Yeah, it was not a plastic surgeon's office, and they had this beautiful display and just very subtle, you know, uh, nondescript packaging. It felt very high-end. You know, they weren't trying to put their logo on everything. And I'm like, God, we need to do that. Nobody's going to come here Pitch because out. of the mint logo. No, no. <laughs> right. But right. this no is one. what other offices do. Yeah, oh, right. they got mints? I'm going to put my logo on that mint. True. You know? And it's like. <laughs> No, we don't need to do that, but we need to keep seeing it appear. And I'm so glad our eyes, I feel, are so open now to what these other businesses are doing that we can learn from. I've got a couple of examples of like where if we had stopped at just comparing ourselves to industry norms, that we never would have taken anything to the next level. So, for example... Um, industry norm in the space of plastic surgery is about 35 leads a week. <laughs> Said differently, it's about 35 people a week who are raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm, I'm interested in having a conversation about what you guys offer. So we, when I got here, we were getting well over that. It was 50, 55. And thank God the entire team is like, hey, can we – like what if we didn't think about this industry? And it drove us to the point of looking at other industries and saying, okay, what if we could get 100? What if we could get 200 leads a week? People that we, have, we could have the opportunity to serve. Today, we average 600 to 900 leads a week. And it's simply because we stopped looking for the bar of excellence inside of our industry. It's the same with conversion rate. You know, industry conversion rate is roughly 35 to 37%. That's not a bad conversion rate. Like you, you hit one out of three pitches that get thrown at you. We just had a conversation a couple weeks ago with our patient care team that we would love to be able to serve 80% of the people who walk into our office to have an 80% conversion rate. And that's because we're looking outside of this industry and saying, hey, what are other industries converting at? How in the world are they serving so well up to the point of the patient saying or the customer saying yes or no? And they're hitting 80% of the pitches that get thrown at them. Like that would be such an extraordinary thing. Now, if you don't know, if you're listening to this and you're not in the medical industry, the medical industry traditionally has the worst software Mm. on the planet. Like it's just simply the worst. And so we've just said, we will not settle for bad software. 
if we were a retail company or a product development company, we would never, ever settle for bad software. And so we've spent the good part of the last two years not only investing in a custom technology stack, but we've hired a back-end developer that is developing custom software for us so that we can serve our patients at a level to where I, I honestly think they expect to be served. Mm-hmm. I don't think they expect it. Yeah, and uh, and like I, I do with I Amazon do. and Zappos and all of these other companies that we use constantly. Mm-hmm. Like, I dread going into any medical appointment these days because I'm I like, mean. like, because you know it's going to be oh, because it's the medical yeah. field. Yeah, I don't you think, don't they, think expect they expect it. it. I think yeah, that yeah. they want to expect it, but they're like paying it. out of pocket here too. Yeah. I do yeah. expect the amount that people spend it to be a much higher end experience. Yeah, yeah. I do agree with you that you know when it comes to just the overall expectation of medical mm-hmm. like world the expectations are very very low mm-hmm. i just don't want to compete with that like i don't want to say hey we cleared the bar that was an inch off the ground yeah. like i want to com- yes absolutely like 45. i want to convince uh, uh, yeah. can, can um, compete with people who our, our our patients are look at and already have amazing experiences with instacart and Publix and disney and all these other organizations that our patients love Let's compete with them. Like, forget the person down the street. Like, you know, I, I I respect them and love that they're there. But if we're going to create an experience that someone remembers the rest of our li- their lives, it's not going to be one that's looking across the street and just trying to one-up them in a tweet. Yeah, so, like, I, I think it's interesting. You can see our personality types in this conversation. So, Greta, like, what you saw, you were instantly able to put yourself in the perspective of anybody going through our experience here and look at the mints and go, that's weird. Mm-hmm. That's a superpower. That's yeah. really uncommon. Yeah. She really did throw them all away. <laughs> Robbie, <laughs> Robbie, you're a rebel. It's who you are. And so, like, and you love the idea, not anarchy, but you love the idea of fighting the institutions. Yes. And so, like you say, we're not going to compare to plastic surgery because we can do better. And like I look at it, and I'm just like, it's not that plastic surgery is terrible. It's not that we can't find good examples inside plastic surgery because they're right. there. Right. It's just the math is not in anyone's favor to <laughs> compare it to their own industry. Right. Like there are so many medical practices or so many plastic surgery practices, and only a couple get to be luminary and great. Mm-hmm. There are a million restaurants, and only a couple of them get to be great. There are a million examples of grocery stores or theme parks or all these other things and like if you go outside of whatever your field is the breath that you get to pick from to pick the top of each thing is just going to produce more greatness than if you're looking at the 19th best version of what you do you know how hard it is to convince a bunch of surgeons that they should not do the thing that they've done forever because like in medicine I bring everything back to medicine. I apologize. Thank but you. I don't apologize. Oh, that's good. Um, but I do. Um, like in medicine, in order to get into the highest uh, caliber colleges, you have to be better than your peers. Not great, but just like how smart you are doesn't matter. It's how much smarter you are than everybody else that matters. Like in order to get from college to medical school, it doesn't matter if you do – like I learned a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but did you learn more than everybody else? Because we only take the top 2% or whatever it is. I've never school. heard this. This is so interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so like – the and then you get into medical school, and depending on what specialty you want to get into, there's different levels of competition. Plastic surgery is among the most competitive always. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be at the very top of your high school to get to the college that will allow you to be at the top of your college to get to the medical school, that will allow you to be at the top of your medical school to get to the residency. And then for the first time with residency, you'd think maybe I don't have to do that, except once a year you take an exam and you get shown where your percentile is in comparison to the other 
plastic surgeon residents in the country. In other words, we are trained from the minute like we enter high school or eighth grade or whatever it is, that you can't just learn. You have to learn more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. You can't just know enough. You have to know enough and more than everybody else because mm-hmm. there's a select number of spots. So we like get this this idea in our mind that there's only so many people that can be successful in everything we've always – to get to the next level in everything that we've done previously. And then like all of a sudden we're supposed to turn that off and be like, no, no, no. We can all succeed. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make hmm. any sense to my colleagues. And so when I talk about these things to them, they look at me like, you're dumb. Because if I don't compete against that person, if I take my foot off the gas of trying to have a slightly more attractive person in my ad than my colleague next door, like they're going to ha- they're gonna win and their scarcity mentality comes in. That's the word that I'm getting at. I think I didn't say it. I should have. Like there's this tremendous feeling of scarcity and scarcity creates insecurity and insecurity creates a feeling that you have to go back to somewhere that's yeah. safe yeah. and what's safe is what everybody else is doing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, how does all of this looking outside of our business um, have to do with what we're doing on the practice development side of things? Like, would you say that that has been born out of this idea of not just running a practice well, but not doing more? Like, it, it, it happened accidentally. Like we were building these things for us. We were building lead generation for us, a brand new rethought out website that people actually enjoy interacting with for us and our patients. Like never in a million years did I think anyone would show up on our doorstep and say, Hey, is there any way I could plug into that thing? But it's happening. Like it's really strange and I couldn't be more excited about it, but um, I never thought that another surgeon would show up and say, hey, what are y'all, that's really interesting what's going on over there. Uh, can I play? What's going on? I think what's neat is being in this industry mm-hmm. for 100 years like I have, or 17, but I truly have been able to watch it change though. And we did live in kind of that, don't step out of line, just do things a little bit better mm-hmm. um, because we wouldn't want to all of a sudden wake up and no one's calling anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just kind of stayed in this comfort zone. Like the meetings I went to were plastic surgery meetings. And I'm like, okay, we're nailing this. This is good. Then they got to start to feel not as helpful for me. Do you, do you know why? Like I'm, I'm like so fired up about this. There was this survey that um, MSNBC, M, how, what is it? MSNBC, MSNBC. did. Um, I, was it 2018 or 19? I can't remember. It was a while ago. It was probably longer than that. It was probably four years ago, three it, years ago. It just showed that um, 93.7% of Americans don't want the, the service that we offer in the would cosmetic consider, surgery. Right? They just Isn't wouldn't. It? They said, yeah. I would never consider cosmetic surgery. And so, like, that bugs the heck out of me. Like, when 94% of the world says, we're not interested in what you have, we're doing something wrong, yeah. you know? And so I'm just not interested in bickering over 400 breast augmentations a year with the person down the street. I want the pipe to get so big that there's not enough enough of us's in the world to meet the demand. Like, I, I think what we have to offer is that life-changing, and it's that impactful in someone's everyday life that um, – if, if all we're doing is saying, hey, at least we're better than them, we're missing the point entirely of the life change that we truly have to offer people. Oh my God, so well said. That's what gets me up and excited every day. To check out more about what we're doing, head to amelialeads.com and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>